Uh, we're going to have fun. But uh, this week, we just finished off several different series. And, and so this week is my, it's kind of like a one-off sermon that I want to give to you, bring to you. Today, listen, we're going to have tons of words. So uh, write down some thoughts. I think they're going to help you. Uh, we're we're going to spend uh, just the beginning of our time from 1 Thessalonians chapter, uh, chapter 1. We're going to read about five or six verses to set the pace for where we're going to go. And we're going to talk today just about this might seem like a real simplistic thought, but it, it always has deep meaning every time I kind of think about it, what it really means. And this is a thought. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? Uh, uh, when we look at the scripture, it, it talks about all kinds of things that we can do, all kinds of things that we can believe, all kinds of things that we leave off, all kinds of things that we add on to our lives. And, and so when I looked at this portion of scripture from the Apostle Paul, writing to a, a church, he lists four things that I just want to, I just want to tap into today from this, par, from this paragraph that's connected scripture for us to just jump off as we, as we look at these things that we need to think about. <laughs> we need to make sure they're working in our lives uh, because Paul addressed this to this church, and I would say he would probably address the very same thing to us. So let's read about six scriptures in a row, and then we'll set the table for where we're going to go today. First Thessalonians chapter 1. He says, when we brought you the good news, he says, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. So, so right off the bat, right off the bat, Paul's saying, listen, listen, uh, uh, when, when we were there, it just wasn't with the word. There was the power. There was the, the presence of the Holy Spirit, just like what we sense here in this morning, is that it wasn't just dead religion. It wasn't something that, that you had to do, that, that, that when the word was spoken, that you never felt anything. And I don't know about you, but I've, I, I've been in church services like this morning. I sense the Spirit of God this morning. Come on, everybody. And, and listen, whether you sense it or you don't sense it, he's always here. Uh, so Paul says, this wasn't fables, this wasn't myths, this wasn't stories that we told you. This was really the word of God, the power of God that was displayed. This wasn't philosophy, this, was, this wasn't something that just was, this is something that is going on right now that you need to be aware of that's happening and active in your life consistently. Then he finishes it and he says this, he says, and, and you know what our concern for you was, the, the way we lived with you when we were there. When we were there with you, we didn't only tell you something, but you could kind of really like look at our lives and say, those dudes really believe what they're saying. And we all know in the room the disconnect whenever you talk to anybody about following God or serving God or, 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 or giving their life to God. You know, he, he tells us here, uh, these words were with power. These words gave you assurance. These words gave you confidence. But the problem so many times in your life, in my life, is if I could just step back and I have and you have, let's be real, and you've looked at the person that was talking and you go, your life don't mirror what you're saying. And we know the word is called a hypocrite. It's too masked. And so Paul says, listen, that was not how we lived among you. When we spoke the word, there was power, there was assurance, there was conviction in your heart. And you not only saw and heard what we said, but you could see the way we lived. So listen to me. To be a Christian, God's asking all of us, don't just say it, live it. And I believe through all the stuff that's gone on in our culture recently and what's happened with COVID and people leaving and coming and, and deconstruction and politics and government and right and left and all kinds of streams of everything, the one thing that will differentiate you from anybody else is that what you say is what you do. 
Who you believe is who everybody knows you believe. It's not a Sunday thing. It's a Wednesday night thing. Come on, everybody. It's a Thursday morning. It's just who you are all the time that you're living your life openly and honestly before saved and unsaved, family and friends, foes and confidants. You are the same because the word of God has had impact in your life. Can I get an amen, everybody? So I just say this, if your lifestyle doesn't match your Christianity, then your Christianity doesn't matter. Just, just what Paul's saying. If, if, if you're saying it, but you're not doing it, then it really doesn't matter because you're just like, and I'm just like everybody else. So Paul says, listen, what's going to be, you guys, you saw me, we were different and we're wanting that in your life as well. No perfection, just we're different. Right? We're different. So he goes on to say in verse 6, so you receive the message. So we, we spoke to you. He says, you receive the message with joy. He says, from the Holy Spirit, in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. Th- these dudes are different dudes. They heard the word of God, but when they heard the word of God, there was some suffering that went on. Come on, this ain't no North American church. It's like when the, when the trouble was going on, they didn't all bail. They all said, that's my group right there. They heard the word even though it brought them suffering. He says, in this way, you imitated both us, notice this, both us and the Lord. So a Christian, you, me, growing Christian, not completely perfect Christian, make mistakes every day, but our heart is, I want to be more and more like Jesus every day. Every day. So, So you saw us. And you saw the Lord, how our lives aren't, how our lives are congruent, we're connected, we're not, there's no disconnect between us and him. So keep on reading here, look what he says here, as a result, as a result of that, you heard the word power, conviction, assurance, and you saw us, we were real among you, as a result, you, church, Thessalonians, Spectrumites, y'all, became example to all the believers in Greece, throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. Look at this. And now you became an example. Man, this thing's working in you. This thing's working in you. You're all a bunch of heathens. Now you gave your heart to Jesus. You got filled with the Holy Spirit. You started hearing the word of God. You saw some people that were actually living it and doing it. And now you're one of us. Come on. The word of the Lord's ringing out from you now to people everywhere. Everybody's hearing about who you are, even beyond Macedonia, all the way down there in San Isidro. Can I get a hey for San Isidro? <laughs> for wherever we go, he says, we find people telling us about your faith in God. All across the city of Chula Vista. Hey, did you hear about those folks there at Spectrum Church? They actually believe that when you lay hands on people, people get healed. Do you actually believe? They, they believe that, that it don't matter what you've done in your life, that Jesus can still save you. Come on, everybody. They, they still believe that marriages can be restored. Come on, somebody. They still believe that if your kid's on crack right now, they're getting ready not to be a crackhead no more. God's getting ready to change that. We believe, come on, we believe in miracles. Come on. Everywhere we go, your faith is ringing out, your faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it. Check it out, verse 9. He says, for they keep talking about it. It's out there in the city. Everywhere we go, they keep talking about it. How about we get the city talking about the church of Jesus Christ in Chula Vista? 
not just spectrum. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ, and we're just a part of that, everybody. Come on. So he says, they keep telling us about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living and the true God. Come on. And they speak. They speak. Not you speak. Yeah, you speak, but they're telling us now that how you're looking forward to the coming of, come on, the city's preaching to us about what we believe to other people who aren't believing yet. You get that? They're speaking about how you're looking forward to the coming of God's son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the only one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. And all God's people said, amen and amen. All right, let's talk about these things this morning. Let's talk about four things here that the Apostle Paul said that I'm just calling these marks of Christianity. What it, call, what, what it means to be a Christian. What it means. There, there, again, there's all kinds of things that we could find from the Scripture. But from this passage to this church that we see the wonderful things that they believed. They heard the Word. They were assured. They were convinced. Not just with the Word, but the power of the Holy Spirit. It worked in them. And they began believing it, working it out in their life. They, they received the word from Paul. They looked at his life and his lifestyle, and it was congruent. It was working. It was the same. And they, they, it began working in them so much so that it spread throughout the city, and everywhere they went, everybody was talking about that church. I want to be that church. I hope you do too. Come on, you're not helping a preacher. I hope you do too. Come on. So here's number one. Here's the first thought that we see. They completely turned to God. They completely turned to God, is what it says. Spirit, soul, body. Let me ask you, have you done this? Have you completely turned to God? Have you unequivocally turned to God? Have you unequivocally put your hand to the plow and you ain't looking back? Like you just said, I'm here, I'm in it, I'm not going back. I'm on my way, I'm on my journey. I'm not talking about adding Jesus to your life, just like you'd add a song on your Spotify or your Apple Play, your Apple Music. I'm not talking about adding something. I'm saying all that whole playlist, we, 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 we crash in that one. We're getting ready to have a new playlist. I, I'm, I'm not adding Jesus to my life. I'm saying my life was a wreck. My life was messed up. I want Jesus to be the Lord and the ruler and the authority in my life. I'm completely turning my life to Jesus Christ. Anybody in the room like that? So are you a follower of Jesus? Are you a follower of his life, his teaching, his, his, his instruction, his doctrine, his spirit, his word, his purpose? Or are you completely in that? Or, or would we say, you know, military terms, are, are you AWOL? Are you absent without leave? Are you, are you MIA? Are you missing an action? Are, are, did, did, you, did you start and then somehow something blew you up a little bit? And, and, and yeah, uh, you got wounded. Everybody, listen, everybody gets wounded. Come on, and listen, listen, every child that gets born gets wounded when they come in the earth. The doctor slaps them on the hiney. Come on, somebody. There's pain in childbirth, and the rest of your life in this natural existence is a little bit of pain. So we're just going to say, I'm going to suffer a little bit, but I'm going to get through it with the help of Jesus. Come on, everybody. And I'm not going to stop. It's not going to cause me to be grounded. I'm not going to be bitter. I'm just going to realize, even to serve Christ, there's going to be some suffering going on. 
So that's what he tells us here. So, 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 so does my family see a difference in me like it did with these Thessalonians? Does the community see a difference in me? Hey, when I show up, does somebody say, I'm glad that brother, that sister just walked into business to buy a taco to, to help out, to, to support my business, to pay their car insurance? Because when I see them, come on, light shows up in the room. I'm glad they're here. Or do they go, oh man, they start diving under the desk when we show up. That's not what God wants, right? It's not what he wants. So, so. Are we making a difference? And what, the, the first thing he said that will make a difference in your life is when you just say, maybe you said yes to Jesus, but you just haven't completely turned. So like you're just kind of a little bit turned and you got a lot of bit of darkness and a lot of bit of world. And then you're trying to mix the light in it. And Jesus says, light and darkness just don't jive. Just don't jive. So the Thessalonians were different because they completely turned. Jesus tells us this. We know in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he tells us this. Luke 9, 23, he says this. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What words? If you desire him, he tells us, if you desire him, daily decide. Look at that. Daily decide to deny yourself. Every day I get up, I got to go, whoo. Here's another day. I did it yesterday, but I got to do it today. I desire you, but now I got to daily decide to deny myself. And I've got to completely turn my life to God. You know, there's some crazy stuff in our society. I, I, it's probably all over the world, but, you know, this is the only world I live in, like, like you. And, and we, we see some things that, that people say Jesus said or the Bible says that he just didn't ever say. People, or what Christians believe, or what Christians, what they think Christians believe, or what the Bible says, but just never does say. Such as this. Jesus never said this. He never said, listen to your heart. He, he never said, just listen to your heart. He, he never said, just be true to yourself. He, he never said that. He, he never just said, uh, uh, I, I want you to be happy. I, I just want you to be happy. Never said that. He, he, he never just, he, he never said, just be a good person. You do not find that in the Bible. And yet, over and over and over, we start hearing stuff, and we see stuff on social media, we start hearing things that people say and, and on TV and all kinds of stuff about that this is what Jesus said or this is what Jesus believed, and this is just not what it says. So when I completely turn to God, listen to me, I've got to say, is it in the book? Come on, everybody. And if it's in the book, I'm going to say yes to it. If it's not in the book, then I've got to shut that thing down, and I've got to say I'm not going to adhere and believe that in my life. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, where we see some things, uh, uh, again, like, like maybe you've been there and, and, and you're coming out of it, or maybe you know somebody that's there, is that so many times it's not a, a one-and-done deal. We, we know this. When we completely turn, again, through all kinds of life situations, sometimes we just kind of, our clock goes back a little bit. We've seen it happen time and time again. And so if your clock is back from where it needs to be, God's going to meet you there. We, we find it in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, Paul's again talking to another church, the church at Galatia. And he says this in Galatians 1, 6. He says, I'm astonished. Listen to this. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one. Uh -uh. You, you're quickly deserting the one that called you to live in the grace of Christ. And you're turning. <laughs> you ain't turning the right way, honey. You're turning the wrong way. You're turning to a different gospel. 
which is really no gospel at all. Can I say it this way? When you go to college, they're preaching to you a gospel. In high school, they're preaching to you a gospel. At work, there is a gospel being preached to you. And if you're not careful, at work, there is a gospel, a way of life, a thought, a belief system that is trying to infiltrate your mind, your will, your emotions, and your intellect. And you got to be careful because if you don't have a fence up to that, you'll start believing that gospel. And Paul just simply says, there's this gospel being preached. He's specifically talking about the grace of God, that you've got to work for it, you've got to try to earn it, you've got to come back under the old legal system, the Old Testament. And he's, he's coming against that constantly. He says, it's really no gospel at all. Look what he says in verse 7. I think it's verse 7. We have that? No? No? Oh, okay. No. We didn't. Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Look at this. So he goes on and he says, oh, foolish Galatians. Come on, that's a pretty, pretty strong word. Come on, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It just simply means cast a spell on you, that you should not obey the truth. Who, who, who's put a spell on you? Can I tell you something right now? Wow, I ain't old, but I'm not young. But let me tell you what, there is a spell of darkness over America. Ephesians 6 says there's principalities, powers, rulers in the heavenlies, spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places that are dominating the thoughts of men and women who are not surrendered to the thoughts of God. They are, they are entertaining and they are speaking and they are, they are uh, confusing and deceiving those who are listening to another gospel. You get to choose what gospel you will listen to. Come on, that's good news, everybody. Amen. And so, 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 so Paul's just simply saying to this church, man, you, 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 got, you, you, got, you guys heard and you guys turned and now somebody bewitched you. Some, some high school teacher told you something. Some little dude came up. Listen, even, even in yourself, you had a feeling, little girl, going, gosh, I like sports and I kind of like throwing dirt and eating worms. I must be a boy. No, you're not. You're just different. And that's cool. And we're going to get you moving the right way. Baby, we're going to get you. That doesn't mean you're a boy. Yeah, I thought the clap would come sooner, but okay, okay. You're going, do I clap or do I not clap? Okay. Here's what we know. Soon clap. Come on, church, soon clap. There we go, there we go. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the truth, realize, will always be contested. The truth will always be contested. So we have to make up our minds that we're not going to be like the Galatians. We're not going to believe something and, Paul, and be astonished that we're so quickly turned, that we've turned towards God. We've completely turned towards God. We put our hand to the plow and we're just not looking back. Uh, uh, the great uh, Christian writer A.W. Tozer said this, a whole new generation of Christians, a whole new generation of Christians has come up believing that it is possible to accept Christ without forsaking the world. Again, we don't add Jesus to our life and our life still looks like everybody in the world. Don't make me go to descriptions. I'm concerned 
that if somebody didn't know I'm here on a Sunday, they would not be able to tell because what I'm doing on Friday. I'm concerned that my life, my lifestyle, my music choice, my speech, my jokes, my everything is not different. We must be different. Amen. First thing, completely turn to God. Completely turn to God. These guys did it, and we can do it too. Second thing is it said, Paul says, you guys abandoned idols. You abandoned idols. Everybody in the culture then, everybody in the culture had idols. They had idols in their houses, idols in their tents. They would worship all kinds of different gods just to make sure they covered it all so it would bring blessing in their life. It was just prominent in culture. And so uh, an idol, from, from what we know from Scripture, and just we'll, we'll take this uh, generality about what an idol is, is an idol is just anything that takes the supremacy of Jesus in your life. It's just an idol is anything that just takes the supremacy of Jesus from your life. It, it, it's like, it's like what, whatever you're worshiping, whatever, whatever is on the throne of your life, whatever you're, whatever you're constantly bowing your knee to, uh, again, an idol is that. We, we know in, in Daniel's day with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when, when that king put, built that 90-foot tall, tall idol and said, when you hear the music, you got to bow down to it. He was a pretty egotistical guy, wasn't he, huh? you, you got to bow down to this. This is an idol. You're going to bow down to me. This represents me. This represents my authority over all the earth. You're going to you know, go high. You're going to bow down to it. So anything we bow down to that's going to take control over our life is something that we worship. And I'll tell you, the American idol that we all come against, that we have to resist and fight against, is the idol of money. Money. Where we worship it, we love it, we try to protect it, which you should, but you shouldn't worship it. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 15, 16 says this in one translation. It says, a rich man's wealth becomes like a citadel of strength, a, 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 a fortress. But the poverty of the poor leaves their security in shambles. The lovers of God earn their wages for a life of righteousness. But the wages of the wicked are squandered on a life of sin. He says, he says these rich folk, and he's not talking about godly rich folk. He's talking about rich folk that are not serving God. They view that their wealth is, is, is an idol. It's going to give them security. It's like a walled fence. Nobody can get in here until there's a famine. Nobody can get in here until there's economic ruin. Nobody can get in here until there's high inflation. Nobody can get in here until 2007, 8, and 9 when home prices crashed. It's false security. Thinking that money can give you security. It's, it's representing, of course, we know money represents power and prestige and authority. Money is what the world is, is grabbing for. It gives false hope and it'll blind your eye and it'll cause you to think you're something when you're not. And it'll, it, 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 it'll breed greed. Uh, later in Proverbs, it says money money's like a leech. Just having things is like, I want more and I got to have more. And it, it'll suck the life out of you trying to get it from somebody else. It's never satisfied. And so all times in the scripture, the scripture never says money is bad. Money just takes on the personality of whoever's got it. The love of it, the inordinate affection and desire for it is the 
American Idol. Do you need money? Absolutely. You should get, I, I pray you get more money, but you get it righteously, you get it justly, and you keep having opportunity to not worship it, but to find out what good can I do with this money. Man, use your money for God. He talks about the wages. He says for the believer, this person, he says the lovers of God, he says earn their wages for a life of righteousness. Earning their wages for a life of righteousness. In the early church, when uh, uh, after Jesus went to heaven, and again, on the day of Pentecost, Peter preaches, 3,000 men get saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, the church is born then. It's growing. Uh, these people left all their, 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 their old lifestyle. They're coming together. There's this communal living. And it's interesting what they were doing. One of the things that, they were, that, that we find out in the Scripture, it says this, Acts chapter 2, verse 44. He says, there was an intense sense of togetherness. Check this out. There was an intense sense of togetherness among all the believers. He says, they shared all their material possessions in trust. Wow. They sold any possessions and goods that, they did, that did not benefit the community, and they used the money to help. That's a phrase. They used the money to help everyone in need. You, do, do you got any money that's helping everyone? You got anything that's helping somebody who has need? Or is it all just used to consume on your own self. And again, it's not an amount. It's just simply, Lord, whatever you've given me, I want to make sure that I'm generous with you through the people you put across my life. You're going you're gonna to talk to me about tithing and giving offerings. You're going to talk to me about, about looking at different people and situations to say, I've got a little bit more. I can do more. I've got a lot of bit more. I can do a lot of bit more. I can use my resources not to increase my standard of living, but my standard of giving. I can do it. You can do it. So I can start and I can begin. And I can say, I'm going to break this cycle in my life. I'm going to turn over my stuff to God. Everything I have belongs to you. You own it all. I am just simply a manager. If you say I can do this, then I can do it. If you say I can give this, then I can give this. I am going to abandon the idol of money in my life. I'm not going to bow down to my checking account, my 401k, my investment account, my house. I'm not going to bow down to my stuff, my crypto, whatever you got. I'm not bowing down to him saying, Lord, you provided this for me. And yes, I've got to be a good manager for my future because I'm not going to give it all away and beg my kids that I can live with them. And my daughter said, amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> all of this is included in this budgeting and management and stewardship it's called. But I'm going to abandon the idol that I've got to keep getting it and protecting it. Two amens and three grunts. Okay, praise the Lord. We're doing all right. Luke 16, 13, Jesus said this. Check it out. No one, come on, everybody yell no one. Ha. Come on, yell no one. No. If Jesus said this, you could say it. No one can serve two masters. Okay, I got that down. If I stop right there, I'm good because I know who he's talking about. No one can serve two masters. God or the devil. Eh, wrong answer. For you will hate the one and love the other. He says, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Notice these words. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. 
Jesus says this, guys. The deal isn't God or the devil. The deal is God, and he called it mammon, the love and the control and the authority of money in your life. How do you break it? How do you break it? You decide, I'm going to renew my mind to God's word, and I am going to be generous. I'm going to think of others. I'm going to honor God. I'm going to do what God told me. I'm going to give my first 10% to God. I'm going to do some different things. I'm going to manage my money. I'm going to pay myself. I'm going to invest. In, I'm going to invest. I'm going to do something. If you've got, you got something in your company, God bless you. Come on, my daddy said, if you're working for a company, he told me this when I was a little boy, and they're giving you 3%, you match 3%. You what, come on, you do whatever you can do, and you set up for your future. But I am going to live a generous life. We got guys in the church. We got ladies in the church. Let me tell you what, that stuff goes on in this church you won't even know about because people that don't even know what their right hand is doing with their left hand, their right pocket, when they're helping people, and they're blessing people, and they're giving, and they're providing, and they're sowing. And listen to me. People in this church that I know and all my whole life that are generous are the most happy people that I know. I want you to be one of them. Don't be stingy. Don't be tight-wadded. Be generous. Be open. Be loving. Be giving. You see somebody here in this church, like I said before, and you see some little kids whose shoes look like they're too small and their feet are all crooked up or whatever, and you just say, we're getting ready to buy you some new shoes. Come on. And you see somebody at whatever, and you just say, you look hungry. You look, come on, can I buy you a meal? Come on. Be generous. Front row likes it, back row doesn't like it. That's okay, that's all right. I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with y'all in the back row. So, so, so what do we do? Let's ask a couple questions before we move on. Do you think that God's going to take care of you if you're generous? Do, do, this is a question. Do you think God's going to take care of you? Or do you go, whoo, ho, ho, ho. Have you seen car prices? Have you seen? Have you seen rent? And, and, and we all go, yes. We go, yes. But you know what? My God is bigger than my rent. You've you, you got to come to that place. If you're ever going to see something supernatural happen, they're going to trust that God's going to do it for you. He's going to do it for you. Do, do, you, do, do you believe that he loves you with a watchful eye, watchful care, like a good father? So, so, so the, the challenge is that we're going to abandon. Come on, everybody. We're going to abandon the idol of money and finance. And we're going to expand his kingdom for generations. Because we're not just talking about us. We're talking about the people that come after us. Amen. So this church, the Thessalonians, they just turned and they stayed turned. And they abandoned idols. The, the third thing that Paul says, is, he says, man, I, I've watched you guys. Everyone's, everyone's seen how you guys have, have served the true and the living God. So let's just talk about it. What's it mean to be a Christian? What's a Christian look like? You just flat out serve other people. You serve others. You serve others. It's just not about you. I'm not looking to be served. I want to serve others. How are you going to find out about that? We tell you, go through growth track. Go through growth track, right? Discover your purpose, then start making a difference, serve on the dream team. All around here at church, you know, we got the, uh, uh, open up the building about 8 o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning. By 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, band starts coming, you know, technical folks come. You know, that we, we've got guys that come every Sunday, ushers and the team, setting up chairs, setting up umbrellas, setting up stuff going on. We've got children's ministry that comes, have been pre preparing all week. 
to teach your kids and my kids lessons. We, 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 we've, got all, all kind of, we've got ushers that come early and start, start you know, setting up, making sure everything's cool going on. We've got all this stuff going on so that anybody who comes in here, that we can set up our mind and our heart and our attention to serve them, not to be served. And so listen, there, there's all kinds of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that I find the people that serve, again, are the most happy and the most joyful. And if you want to find, I'll just say this way, um, uh, find a place for your grace. Listen, everybody's got grace. Just find a place for your grace. I, I would encourage you, if you want to grow spiritually, just like these people were in the Thessalonians, you got to just make up your mind, I'm going to serve. I'm not coming in here to do nothing. I'm coming to be a part of something that God's graced me with. Can I get an amen? Yeah, that's the Jesus model, everybody. That's the Jesus model. And again, we all have seasons that it's busier than normal, and so we might have to pump the brakes. But don't turn from doing nothing. John 13. Our model, Jesus, verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, everything, and that he had come from God and will return to God, verse 4. He got up from the table. This is, this is, this is with his disciples, right before he's going to go to the cross here pretty soon. He got up from the table, took off his robe, and wrapped a wrapped a what? Wrapped a towel. You mean it's going to be like some of the ladies who come in early and start making coffee, and the guys who make coffee, and then and then while I'm I'm grabbing my bag, leaving, and y'all probably mostly long gone. They're they're in the little kitchenette over here, and they're cleaning stuff and drying stuff, so we don't have skanky coffee for next week. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you mean, and you mean like we, like, like to have stuff that we, we, we got a little dude that's a raccoon named Carl and Carl crawling around dragging wires and we got some electricians in the church that have been pulling things around. What, what, so what, what do you mean? They're taking off their stuff and they're putting on their stuff so that we can serve God together up in here, everybody. So come on. Everybody finding their place, right? So, so he gets up and he takes, you know, takes off his robe and wraps a towel around his waist, verse 5, and he pours water in the basin and he begins to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel around him. This, 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 this is our Lord. This is our Lord. As a servant, he's just saying, Jesus knew who he was and where he was going. So I've got no, I've got no problem with identity here. I'm not trying to be the big fish, although he was the biggest fish ever. He he was humble. There was no pride. There was no ego. There was no posturing. In fact, Matthew 11 says he was meek and lowly. Come on, everybody. Gentle, not harsh. So he gets up, (laughs) put off his robe, put on something else. And he starts serving. And he tells us another gospel. The greatest among you are the servants among you. Not the preacher, not just a preacher up here in front of you, but the people that serve constantly using their grace. Well, I'd do it if it was, no, no. What's God graced you to do? Use it for the kingdom of God. He tells us in verse 14 and 15, And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. So we're just following an example. 
Following an example. Just the stories of people on the dream team. Again, just following an example. Doing what God called me to do. Serving God. Serving God. Allowing God to work in me and through me with the grace that he's given to me. And this is all over the Bible, by the way. Over in 1 Corinthians 16, Paul talks about this dude named Stephanus in his house. And he says in 1 Corinthians 16, 15, I urge you, brothers, he says, you know the household of Stephanus. Check it out. He says that the, he's the first fruits. He's, he's the first dude that got saved when we went to Achaia. That they have devoted themselves to the ministry of saints. They've devoted themselves to the ministering of other people. He says, I urge you, brothers. He says, this is, I, I, I want you to take a look at this guy. I'm telling you, look at him, study his life. This is what he did. He devoted himself to just the ministry of the saints. He says, you also submit to such. Look at his life. Submit to what he's doing to everyone who works and labors with us. So Paul's telling us, listen, this thing isn't just the preacher, isn't just the worship team. This thing is called ministry that we all do everywhere. And he says, let me tell you what it is. He says it's work. It's labor. But let me tell you what, salute and kudos to every person in this room who serves God tired, fighting with the kids coming to church. Come on, breakfast got burnt, husband a little bit ticked, wife a little bit anxious or whatever like that. Kudos for you guys for constantly serving Jesus. Come on, everybody. You're making a difference. Yeah, you are. You're making a difference. You're making a difference. So he says, this church, this church turned to the Lord, turned to him, abandoned idols. They, they, they started serving other people. They, they saw that in Paul, and they started doing it. And the last thing that we see here that's been uh, on my mind for a couple of years now, I can't get away from it, uh, because I believe the time's getting closer, is this, is that they anticipated Jesus' return. They anticipated Jesus' return. They, they, listen to me. Just anticipating Jesus' return causes you to live differently. It just does. Every day, I'm encouraging you to be like this church. A Christian looks like this. I'm anticipating that Jesus could come back today. So I've got to be busy about doing kingdom business. I, I want to live today in the reality of heaven. I, 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 I'm going to... I'm gonna, Somebody, I heard a friend preach recently on, on YouTube at his church, and he said this. He said, you know, we, got, we all get so stressed about whatever's going on in our life right now. And he said, the Lord really helped me with this because he told me, you do realize you're going to live forever. And so this little thing going on right now isn't going to be a big thing in about 2,600 years. Let's have a heavenly mindset. And so not trying to bore you, but let me just give you a ton of scriptures in closing that almost in every book of the Bible, the epistles, we'll, we'll find out scriptures about Jesus is coming. Let's read them. Romans 8.23. Paul says, we groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for the adoption of sonship, the redemption of our bodies. 1 Corinthians 1.7. We eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus to be revealed. Galatians 5.5, 5, for through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven 
and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 We wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescued us from the coming wrath. Titus 2.13 We wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. James 5, 7 and 8. Be patient, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. You see how a farmer waits for the land to yield the available crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. You too, be patient, stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. 2 Peter 3, 13. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Jude 1, 21. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring eternal life to you. And then in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 through 3. Dear friends, we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. All who have this hope in Him purify themselves just as He is pure. All throughout the New Testament the writers were saying, Jesus is coming back. Anticipate the return of the Lord. It causes me to treat my wife different. It causes me to raise my children differently. It causes me to interact with my brothers and sisters in Christ differently. It causes me to interact with a lost and dying world differently. It causes me to value things I need to value, to leave off things I need to leave off. It causes my heart to be turned to say, Lord, you know me and I want you and I want to be forever with you. So I'm saying yes to you and no to things my flesh is craving and desire. And do I mess up all the time? But any time that I mess up, I've got something in me that says, turn to God. Repent, get it right, say forgive me, make a change. These guys, these gals, they endured persecution, loss, death, exile for their belief. Unlike, I mean, there's nations of the earth that this is going on, but not right now in our nation, in our, in our world right now. But they had an anchor that was strong in who Christ was and what heaven was. And they had faith and confidence that Jesus is going to right every, all wrong. He's going to change us forever. And that is our focus. That is our eternity. Forever and ever, we're going to be with the Lord. John says, this has a purifying effect in your life. It'll cause things in your life that, 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 that are dark, that are fearful, that are, that are sinful, to just be filtered off your life. I'm living forever with Jesus. I'm going to anticipate I'm not living for this world so I can continually, every day, deny myself and say yes to Jesus. Can I get an amen in the house of, can I get a better amen in the house of the Lord? He says this, he says that Jesus rescued us from the terror of the coming judgment. Scripturally, listen, there is coming judgment to everybody who doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Everybody who has said yes to Jesus, 
you have already been judged. I judge Jesus as my Savior. I judge Jesus as my Lord. And forever and ever, we will be with the Lord. Can you say amen? Come on, come on. Can you say amen? Man, forever and ever, we're going to be in heaven. Listen, new heavens and a new earth. Not floating around somewhere. Ruling and reigning on a new earth doing kingdom business. Wow. Come on, everybody. It's going to keep my focus on Him. It causes a change to happen in our lives. So the question, do you know Jesus? And if you've known Him, are you still moving forward with His purpose and His plan for your life? And if not, Come on, today, let's turn. Make a turn, make a change, recalibrate the heart. Maybe that's grown cold. Maybe you've entertained some things you shouldn't have entertained. God knows he's waiting for you to confess it so that he can come and invade your life. Listen to me, with his love, his grace, and his mercy. Amen, everybody. Come on, you've been sitting a long time. Stand, would you do it? all over the room. Come on, bow your head. Would you do it right there? You don't know Jesus. If you're away from him today, maybe you've known him in the past, but all service long, as we've said, the presence of God's been in the room. Through worship, through word, through relationship, you've sensed God. And maybe you said, I've sensed him, but I haven't made a decision to follow him or give everything to him. Today's your, today's your day. Now's your chance. Make up your mind now. You might not ever have another chance. All over the room, you'll be included in this prayer. We'll pray out loud. You won't be the only one praying. It will all pray out loud. You're just saying, that's me, Gary. I, I want to make a new change. I, wanna, I want Jesus in my life. I want to forsake everything else. I don't want to add Jesus to my life. I want a brand new life. Come on, if that's you, when I count to three, just lift up your hand. We're going to pray for you all over the room. Come on, one, two, three, all over the room. Lift up your hand. Say, that's me. I want Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus. Anybody in the room today? I want to know Jesus. I'm away from him. I want to serve him today. We'll pray it anyway in the room. Maybe you haven't raised your hand or online as well. Let's say this out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm asking you today to be the Lord of my life. I repent. I change my mind. I'm changing my direction. I'm asking you today to fill me with the Spirit of God. And I'm never going to be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just clap our hands for maybe anybody in the room or online that prayed that prayer? Come on, a prayer is the beginning of a turn. Come on. Who you are today is not who you're going to be in the future.